Welcome back to Travel Today and Yesterday, a podcast that's all about travel all of the time. I'm Cassandra, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Mike. We've mentioned a few times that we live full-time in our RV, and we're coming up on almost a complete year that we've been living in the RV and traveling full-time. And we get a lot of questions from people about why we chose this life, what it's like living in the RV, how we make it work, and just a lot of other logistical questions. So we wanted to do a special episode to talk about how we made the decision to move into the RV, what our life is like, and answer some of those questions that we get the most often from people. If you've listened to our podcast before, you might know that Mike and I have been together for over 20 years. And I would say at least compared to most of the people that we know, our friends and peers, we haven't exactly been living a very traditional life. Cassandra and I have lived all over this country and really have lived in some beautiful places. But it just always seemed that every three to five years or so, we'd do a major move coast to coast or up and down the coast. Sell everything, (laughs) downsize, (laughs) pack up just the bare essentials and completely start over somewhere new. Yeah, in a new location. And I guess when I say we haven't lived a traditional life, I mean that it didn't occur to us to think about buying a house because we move so often. Renting makes more sense. And while we've both had career jobs, we often end up in jobs that kind of work better with that lifestyle, like service jobs and things like that. So we didn't reach a lot of the same, I would say, career goals that a lot of our friends had as well. And I don't know if this is true for everybody. I think it it might be to some extent just because there is something called a midlife crisis. (laughs) But even though we've been really happy in the life that we have and we chose to live that way so that we could have all the adventures we've had and the experiences and we wouldn't trade it for anything, you definitely reach a point, or at least we did when we were in our, you know, early to mid forties, where you realize that it's either time to make a change or, or just really settle down. (laughs) Well, and I think that's really what sparked this conversation in the beginning anyway, when we were living in South Carolina, and we started talking about, is it time to buy a house? Is it time to settle down? Should we think about different jobs? Neither of us were very happy in our jobs. We moved to South Carolina right before the start of the COVID pandemic. And so we ended up, one, just kind of taking what jobs we could find. And in this particular case, while we've had all kinds of jobs, we really both were not crazy about the jobs that we had. We weren't happy there. And we ended up feeling sort of stuck because like everyone else knows, the pandemic kind of shut the world down. So we ended up a couple years in evaluating where we were at from a career standpoint and rent was going up and rent was skyrocketing. (laughs) <laughs> and wages were not. So. <laughs> yeah. And so we we were definitely at the point where we were looking at the numbers and realizing it was one thing paying rent every month instead of a mortgage when we were traveling and having these great adventures. But here we were sitting somewhere going on three years um, paying rent in a place we really didn't even want to be living at anymore. And, you know, a third of the money that you're working towards is going just to put a roof over your heads. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But in our particular case, we realized that we needed to decide, should we go back to a more career type job where we can advance and have a little more security, look at buying a house? If so, where were we going to live? What did that timeline look like? Or 
were we going to uproot ourselves from South Carolina, get out of that rut and commit to a life of adventure? And, and travel. And travel. And I do think there's something to be said for that spot right there in your early to mid 40s where you've been working for so long. Yeah, at that point, over 30 years for me and probably close to that for you. You've been working so long, but you still have so many years of work ahead of you, especially if you're sort of the impractical wanderlust people that we were are who weren't preparing quite as hardcore, I'm sure, for those for that retirement. Where our <laughs> travel budget now instead of waiting for retirement was more of a higher priority. And so you're at that point where you feel like it's too late to start over, but it's too early to give up. And so we decided, you know what, we're 100% in, we're going to travel and we're going to travel full time. That's what makes us happy. Traveling, seeing new places, meeting new people, whether it's in the U.S. or abroad, that's when we are happiest. So that's why we decided to take the plunge. So we made the big decision and we were going to travel full time. We just had to figure out how exactly we were going to do that because we really had no idea. <laughs> I had been watching for a few years these bus conversion videos and looking into that, reading about it seeing all the photos. It's everywhere online. So I'm sure most people have seen this. And even though I had no automotive, engineering, construction expertise, <laughs> I still convinced myself that we could buy a bus and we could convert it. We could do that. Just like the people on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and now I was definitely a, a lot more skeptical. Cassandra brought this up to me a few times and I was like, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. I, I think that the changing point for me was when she started showing me pictures and videos of these buses that were converted, the, the projects were all done. I never really watched the videos so much of them doing it, but seeing the pictures of the completed projects, I, they were just absolutely beautiful. You would never know they were on in the inside of a bus. It looked like a, a nice home. So I think that's really when I was started to think, well, maybe we can do this. And I can be very persuasive. <laughs> yeah, she's scary. <laughs> So we decided to buy a bus. We were going to buy a shuttle bus or a smaller school bus. We weren't totally sure. And so we started looking in the beginning of 2022. And that's kind of where we ran into our first hurdle. Had we decided to do the bus conversion uh, even just a few years before, definitely by the beginning, the very beginning of the pandemic or before the start of the pandemic, we probably could have found a used vehicle in pretty good condition that we could have purchased for an affordable price and gotten a head start on the conversion. But there was just a huge rise in the popularity of doing these bus conversions. So the availability of these buses went way down and the price went way up. Yeah, we looked at several options. Uh, I think we had six or seven that we contacted the owners that we were going to go see, but a couple were in the Carolinas, but a lot of them were several states away. So it wasn't like we could just leave that night and go see them. We had to wait until we had a couple of days off on the weekend. And uh, every every time, every time, usually a day or two later, some, they we'd get a message back that they were they ended up selling them. So we ended up finding one in Kentucky, and we went and checked it out. We knew it was going to need a lot of work, but it was uh, a 1989 uh, Ford, Ford Line. yeah, which... like a shuttle bus. It ended up it was a shuttle bus, but it's the same model and engine of our current our 
RV. And it, we knew it was in bad shape and it was going to need a ton of work, but it was also priced reasonably enough that we figured we could afford to pay it. And if it didn't work out, it wasn't going to be a huge financial loss for us. Plus, at that point, we were getting pretty desperate. We had set a deadline for ourselves because we did not want to re-sign our lease. And it was a gamble, but we we thought it was a good idea to take it. Yeah, it was better to have something we could start working on than just continue the search and who knows. Also, we knew a few people, you know, we knew a good mechanic in the area and a couple of my co-workers were electricians and had experience with that. So we knew that it was going to need that kind of work, but we had those people in our circle that, it, again, it was kind of worth the gamble to get started. So we took the plunge and we, we bought the bus, which we named Rattletrap and had you been on that drive with us from <laughs> Kentucky to South Carolina uh, with that bus, you would oh understand my. why it was called Rattletrap. So we got it back to South Carolina and silly, silly us. So, uh, this was the end of June that we bought it. We so. bought it at the very end of June and we had four days off for the 4th of July. And I remember we did our first video at the start of that long weekend and we said our goal is to have this gutted by the end of fourth of july weekend so four days <laughs> oh boy six months later S six months later we completed in, the gutting in, in a not in a different state and i don't want to go too much into the trials and tribulations that went on during that time but i will say that one be careful what you see on the internet and then think that you can do time-lapse videos can make things seem very easy <laughs> and it's and, seductive but it's not always accurate and we did watch those videos to learn how to to do the gutting and you know they are helpful but but it's so hard to know how physically hard it's actually going to be i mean when you're removing fiberglass siding when you're ripping out the floor that's you know the woods rotted out and you're trying to take out a thousand screws and bolts that have From been stripped 34 year old <laughs> rust bucket there were a lot of dark days where after working on that not just fourth of july weekend but later on where uh we really had to talk each other off the edge. That being said, we definitely learned a lot from that experience. Mainly we learned that Mike and I are not good at the handyman stuff. We are ne never going to be the people that build our own homes or do a lot of home renovations. Yeah, we're, we can follow a video and do some things. There was definitely things I fixed on that bus and our RV that just I saw videos of and I was able to do it. But the, the major things like that, no, that's not us. So we were getting close to the end of our lease and we realized that the gutting was taking forever and we were just not going to be able to even start on the conversion before the lease was was going to be up and we really didn't want to re-sign our lease or move and sign another lease in the area. So we decided to move up to Pennsylvania and uh, near where Mike is from and finish the conversion there. Um, I reached out to some friends that were willing to help. And then some of those friends, we were also able to stay with them short term. But what ended up happening with the bus, once we had it fully gutted, there was some work that needed to be done, some framework that needed to be done. And the problem was we couldn't get, we couldn't even get it in for months 
to get that work started. So that was really... And there was no guarantee if you got the work done that it was going to be able to be functional. Yeah, there, there to was support a A build. home inside, yeah, yeah. a build. And it was just ending up, it was going to be far too much of an expense to even get the space livable. So we sent Rattletrap to the big junkyard in the sky. <laughs> we, we sold her for parts. And after that, considering that the conversion and everything with the bus had taken so long, our life changed pretty quickly in a matter of about two weeks because yeah. we had to come up with a plan B. And we talked about a lot of things. We talked about getting an apartment. We talked about a lot of different options. But ultimately, again, we had made that commitment to this life of travel and all the options we were talking about just seemed to keep us somewhere where we'd be putting in more time and more money and just waiting even longer to obtain, you know, that goal of traveling full time. So pretty much right away, we decided, okay, we'll buy an RV. And I know some people might be thinking here and some people listening may have even suggested this to us. Why didn't you just do an RV from the beginning? <laughs> well, that would have just been far too easy. <laughs> Cassandra had a vision. <laughs> <laughs> I had a vision. There was a vision board. Uh, and again, the internet is very seductive. And honestly, we didn't know a whole lot about RVs anyway. I so. knew nothing about RVs. I knew less about RVs than I did about bus conversions, which was clearly <laughs> not a lot. So... But we decided to buy an RV and it happened pretty quick. We were looking for RVs for about a week, I would say. And then we ended up seeing an ad for an RV that was about two hours away. And this was after all day driving around looking at RV lots and stuff like that. And, and so we asked if we could go see it that night. We ended up getting there. It was dark pretty yeah, much by the time we got the there. The sun was going down when we got there. And we looked at it and we loved it. It seemed like it was in great shape. It had only had two owners and we made an offer and they gave us a great deal and it was pretty much one and done right yeah, then. And we came back that weekend to get it. Came back that weekend to get it. Once we had the RV, we hit our second hurdle because we realized we hadn't really thought realistically of how we were going to make an income while we were traveling. <laughs> uh, and it just never got that far. We were pretty consumed with the initial conversion attempt. So I looked up work camping and read about it and realized that that was kind of going to be how we were going to make a living. And we applied to about 13 different work camping opportunities on the East Coast. The opportunity came up for this bartending job in Maine at an RV resort. And as soon as we talked to them, we we wanted the job. Yeah. So within, I would say, we talked to them on the first day, the next day we were hired. So that all, buying the RV and then finding, <laughs> researching work camping. No, knowing the bus wasn't going to work out, <laughs> to buying an RV to finding a job, I think was, was all within two, two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. But it happened very fast that we had that solution in place. And the RV ended up just needing the sort of conversion that I am comfortable doing, which is painting and, and pulling up the carpet. Pulling up the car <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't want the shag carpet from the 80s. My mother-in-law jumped in and was hard at work with us. And we got cabinets painted and we pulled out the carpet and put in some flooring. And it all looked so cute inside. And she even came in camped with us at a nearby campground since neither Mike or I had any idea about RV. She had to show us how to hook it up, unhook it. She and my father-in-law had traveled for years before he passed away. When they retired, they for five years, they did work camping. Six months out west, six months back east, and they had experience, obviously. And my mom was happy to teach us what we needed to do. A lot of people ask us how work camping works. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we'll definitely put some links to some websites that we use to look for work camping jobs on our website if you want to check it out. But basically with work camping, you are working a certain number of hours per week doing anything from office work to maintenance to cleaning, whatever's needed, working in a cafe, a store, in exchange for either just your accommodations, and that can be an apartment, a cabin, an RV spot, or your accommodations and an hourly wage. In the case of our first work camping job, we were very lucky. We had a very generous hourly wage and it was a full bar. So we were able to make tips as well. And the owners were incredibly generous. So we really lucked out, especially because we're not retired and we do need to be making an income. We got very lucky at that job that we were able to have a generous income. And and not just that, it, the we really enjoyed the working at the experience was phenomenal. Yeah. We, we're going to talk about that in a future episode. Our next episode is going to be all about our favorite experiences and things we experienced while work camping in Maine. But that this experience could have made or break our, our plans to do this. You know, if we had an awful experience, we probably would have just got rid of the RV and, or not got rid of the RV, but just not traveled in it full time. But that experience showed that we really made the right decision. We've also met people who have the ability because they are remote workers that they can travel all the time and, and have their job and work remotely. So there are a lot of options to make an income. And again, we'll post those links on our website of the sites that we most often look at. Overall, I would say that I think we've been very lucky. We got off to a good start once we moved into the RV. We got really lucky with the vehicle that we purchased, even though poor baby, she's falling apart now, but <laughs> but she's put in a good year and done a lot of miles when she probably thought she was close yeah. to retirement. We, we loved our time in Maine, but it was a rough summer weather-wise, so. It, she really took a beating. Myrtle the turtle is, is getting leaky. But I feel like overall, we've been pretty lucky, right, from the get-go with how well this experience has gone for us, but it has not been without it challenges. I, I think the number one challenge is when your vehicle is also your house and you have an issue with your vehicle, where are you going to go? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's a big deal. And especially when you have an older RV, I think that the older RVs are built to last more proof being that we're sitting in one right now. That's almost as old as I am. And she's still ticking. So, <laughs> and, and quite frankly, we've met a lot of people that said the COVID RVs are, they tend to break down a lot. But with the older RVs, if something breaks or, or doesn't work, good luck finding a part to replace it. <laughs> like most of the factories that even used to make them aren't even open anymore. So <laughs> That's definitely been a challenge. So And one thing that we didn't know when we moved into the RV, one of the many things I should say that we didn't know, was that when you do break down or you run into an issue, it's really difficult to find a mechanic that can work on your vehicle, find a tow truck that can tow your vehicle. Yeah, even though we have AAA, RV, uh, roadside, whatever, it's a lot of the times when we needed a tow truck, it was difficult to find one that could tow us. And even being able to get an appointment in anywhere, a lot of, with the RV, RVs, there is such a long wait to do anything. It could be months. I remember the first time we broke down after calling just about everybody. 
I finally asked one of the people, well, what do people do when they break down in their RV on the side of the road? It seems like no one can help us. And we were just like, well, I guess we live here now on this side of the road. (laughs) And so I would say that one of the biggest challenges with an RV, yes, it is your home. And if something goes wrong with your home, you are kind of stuck. I would say another really big challenge is just learning to live in a very small space with another person. Mike and I have been together for a very long time. People will ask us, how do you live and work together. But I mean, that's something we've done for most of our time together off and on. And we actually really enjoy working together. But we were always that couple that was like the key to a happy marriage is you have at least two bathrooms in your house. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we like our, our space. And even though there's freedom that comes with downsizing your life and getting rid of a lot of the extra belongings and baggage and, and things like that, when you're in a very small space together, even if you've been together a long time and you think you have, you know, great communication, you have to adjust the way you are with each other to some extent to make it work because you don't have any place to escape to. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I will say this, being in uh, the year of El Nino, we've had a lot of rain, a lot of wind, and really a good chunk of our summertime was spent when we weren't working. We had to be in the RV because the, the rain was just we didn't want to sit outside in the rain. So since you have nowhere to run to, you're sort of forced to address any issues that come up. It was definitely challenging those first few months. I think we've come out of it even stronger than we were before, but that is something that I think you have to get used to when you move into a small space too, that there is going to be some tension and some stress. So I would say that those have been the two biggest challenges that we've faced so far since moving into the RV, just the mechanical issues and and things going wrong with the RV, and then just adapting to living in a very small space together. But there's been so many great things about it as well. I think my favorite part about this is the fact that we can come back to our own space at the end of every day. Uh, again, we rented for all our lives. Yeah, uh, well, than, once we left home. <laughs> yeah, since we left home, we've been running. So to actually come back to a space that we owned, issues and all, that makes me happy. Uh, that's probably my favorite thing about this experience. The other thing we love about this life is all the amazing people that we've met along the way. We really did have a great experience up in Maine and a big chunk of the people that we've gotten to meet were at that RV park. But even on our travels up and down the coast at some of the smaller campgrounds that we stayed at for a few days, we've met great people there. And the the RV community is, is so helpful. I think the greatest part of this experience for me has been that you have so much freedom. You're not stuck in a job that you hate. You know, you're not stuck working just for the weekend. For the first time that I can think of, we feel free and it makes us happy. And I find that we get out hiking more. We go on bike rides more. We sit and talk outside more. We are enjoying life a lot more. And it is just a really freeing experience. And that's probably my favorite part about this. And as we're coming to the end of our first year in the RV, the journey starts to look a little different. We are going to be moving out of Myrtle the turtle. (laughs) We're retiring her. And eventually we are going to get another RV and 
continue with our travels that way. But for this summer, we're going to be doing a work camping job in Colorado and we'll be living in an apartment for that work camping job. And that'll be from the beginning of May through the middle of October. So we're not quite sure what comes after that, but we do know that we're pretty hooked on this lifestyle. I don't see us not doing this anytime soon. At first it was, let's see what one year looks like. If one year is good, maybe two to three. And I could easily see five years no problem just exploring the u.s we have no plans to walk away from this life for sure thank you so much for listening to this episode be sure to visit our website at traveltodayandyesterday.com we'll have some helpful links and some more details about our experiences over the last year and if you have any questions about rv life work camping we are by no means experts as we've probably made clear (laughs) throughout this episode But But we do have experience. But we do have experience. And one thing we are is transparent. And we will answer any questions that we can about this lifestyle. Anything that might be helpful to you, especially if you're considering doing what we did and getting on the road and traveling full time. So definitely email us at traveltodayandyesterday at gmail.com with any questions that you might have. And then be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and our next episode coming up on wednesday will be the top five things that we enjoyed most while we're camping in maine so thanks again and we'll talk to you next week take care